I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me in Luke chapter 15, the Gospel of Luke chapter 15, and over the next three weeks in this series entitled, Who's Your One? We're going to walk through for three weeks Luke chapter 15. And as we do that, I hope that the Lord will pique your heart, that He would convict you, that He would challenge you to ask that simple question of, who is the one person in my life that I know needs Jesus Christ to save them? Who is that neighbor? Who is that coworker? Who is that friend? Who is that family member that I know does not yet have a relationship with the Lord, but God has placed them, burdened my heart with their name? I know that God desires to use me to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. As we move over the next three weeks into Two Services Church, what I want to challenge each of us with is the reality that as we walk out into this community, as you go to work, as you go to school when school gets kicked back off again, as you go into the grocery store or the restaurant, that statistics tell us that eight out of every ten people that you and I meet in this community do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Eight out of ten, if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, have never experienced what you and I have experienced with Jesus Christ transforming our lives. And the good news is He has placed us together as the church in this community to share that hope that we have found with others who desperately Need it. You know, when I was a teenager, I finished up high school and I worked for a local church in the area. And they did a day camp that lasted all summer long. So think VBS, which is just a few hours, but it was nine hours of nothing but kids. And I signed up for it and they paid me not nearly enough. Not nearly enough. But one of the things that they did when they brought us all together, they began the training and they said, listen, there is one thing that you desperately need to know in this job. Do not, under any circumstance, lose a child. You laugh, but if you've ever tried to corral 300 kids... I mean, they hide in places you didn't know existed. It's amazing to see that. But what we would do is they put the protocol in place that if, as we traveled around in different places around the church grounds, and then as we went off-site at times as well, they said, listen, you count how many kids you're supposed to be in charge of, and if you're missing a kid, everything gets locked down at that point till you find the kid. Now imagine if someone would have said in that moment, hey... I mean, you've got all the rest of the kids. Like, no, that kid is important. We have to find that child. What we're going to look at over the next three weeks together is Jesus tell the stories 
called parables, which are simply heavenly stories with an earthly meaning, that Jesus is going to unpack these stories. They're stories that the people of his day would have identified with well. And I think for us, that we will identify well. And as we think about who is the one person that God has placed in our life that needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, my hope and my prayer over the next three weeks is that we would be reminded of the mission that God has given us, that we would be reminded of the heart of our Savior who desires to save people in their sin, to redeem them, to bring them into the family of God, and to use us to do that. I want to read the text beginning in verse 1 of Luke chapter 15. This morning we'll cover verses 1 through 7 in a message entitled, The Lost Sheep. And as I read the text this morning, As we work through verses 1 through 7, I want you, if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, to think about where you fit in this story. To think about what it means for Jesus Christ to have pursued you and saved you from your sin. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never taken that step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. I want you to know the heart of Jesus Christ directed towards you this morning. This is what Luke writes, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 15. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. That's Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance." Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see. You would open our ears that we would be able to hear. And that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write down this main idea that will frame our time together in these seven verses this morning. And it's this truth. We have a Savior who pursues us in our lostness and a heavenly host that celebrates when we are found. I want you to notice that Luke begins this series of parables. There's three stories. This morning, we're going to cover the lost sheep. Next week, we're going to cover the lost coin. And then the final week, first week of August, we're going to cover the lost son. But here as we look at this beginning point, Luke gives us some 
information that is important for us to understand. It's information about Jesus, who is going to tell these stories. It's information about what's going on in his life and his ministry at this point in time. See, one of the things that Luke has recorded in his gospel account of Jesus' life and ministry is that Jesus has a specific bent to reach out to people that don't know him. That he is constantly on the move, speaking the truth of who he is and inviting people to follow him with their lives. Now, interestingly, as Luke tells us this, He says the tax collectors, everybody likes tax collectors, right? And the sinners were all drawing near to hear him. Now this sets the tone for what's about to happen. So picture this in your mind that Jesus is conducting his ministry and there are people that are flocking to hear him. There are people who are wanting to know. They recognize there's something unique and different about Jesus. In fact, the scriptures say that people were saying things like, we've never heard someone speak with this type of authority. We've never heard someone speak in this way. We need to hear more about who this guy is. And so Jesus was drawing crowds everywhere that he went. And in those crowds, there were tax collectors who were employed by the Roman government to collect taxes. And no one really liked them because they were doing everything they can to swindle people of their money. No amens or ouches here, okay? But at this point in time, it's not someone that you would have wanted to associate with. And yet, tax collectors are coming to hear Jesus. And then it also describes sinners, So tax collectors and sinners are all coming to Jesus to hear him teach, to find out who he is. What's interesting is Luke tells us in verse 2 that the Pharisees, who were the religious leaders of the day, the scribes, who were the experts in the Old Testament law, were grumbling. And they were saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. See, here's the thing for the religious leaders of Jesus' day. They had engineered their entire lives to avoid sinners and tax collectors. They were distinct from them. They had come up with ways in which they wouldn't have to interact with them at all. If they saw one coming down one side of the road, they would cross on the other side of the road so they didn't even have to look at them. Stories told that by Jesus that in the temple there is a man who is beating his chest and crying out, God, God, forgive me, have mercy on me, I'm a sinner. And he says there's a Pharisee next to him who looks at this man and says to the Lord, utters this prayer, God, thank you for not making me like him. So that's the mentality of the religious leaders and the scribes of Jesus' day towards people that were far from God. And Jesus hears this. And he tells these three stories. And so I want us to look, beginning in verse 3. 
at this first parable that Jesus tells about a lost sheep. Verse 3, so he told them this parable. In light of them saying, this guy is associating with people that are sinners, with tax collectors, Jesus says, here's a story. What man of you who has a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. Now this is a story that people would have resonated with. They would have understood at this point in time what Jesus was communicating. They would have known what he was talking about. In fact, shepherds were common at this point in time. And what Jesus says is, you imagine if you have a shepherd who's out in a field and he has a hundred sheep. And one sheep runs away. If you know anything about sheep, which I don't know a lot about sheep, but I've read about sheep. Sheep are not the smartest animals in the world. In fact, if you go back in our kids' ministry and you ask a kid, hey, what type of animal would you like to be like? Yeah, people say, I want to be a lion or I want to be an elephant. No one says, I want to be a sheep. (laughs) Why? There's nothing impressive about sheep. They're, in fact, very dumb creatures. So what he's describing here is a scenario that they would have resonated with. They would have understood that if a sheep had taken off from the rest of the sheep, that that sheep had a terrible sense of direction. Don't elbow your spouse. I'm the, I'm the one with the terrible sense of direction. My wife can tell you that. But I'm not going to admit I have a terrible sense of direction. Right? Like you need to pull over and ask someone for directions or pull up the GPS. I got this. But that's the same way the sheep would have responded. So the shepherd would have looked and recognized there's a sheep missing. What he would have known instinctively is that sheep has a terrible sense of direction. It is incredibly dumb and will simply continue moving on in whatever direction away from the group and bah the whole time. That's what the sheep's going to do. Now, as we think about this, what I want you to recognize is that Jesus at this point is talking about sheep, but he's in fact talking about people. He's using sheep to demonstrate people. Now, what I want you to understand first is just the reality of our lostness apart from Jesus Christ. See, the reality for us is that prior to meeting Jesus Christ, we're just like the sheep that's running away. That for us, we are lost in our sins. We are separated from God. And there is no hope, no sense of direction that will ever bring us back to God. And Jesus, in talking about the sheep here, is talking about the people that he's interacting with. One of the most beautiful scenes that we see play out is Jesus looking at the crowds, and the scriptures say about him that he looks on the crowds and he has compassion on them because he recognizes that they're lost. Look at 
So Jesus is telling this story and he's trying to help the religious leaders of the day understand that his entire mission in coming to this earth was to save people who were far from him. So why is Jesus interacting with sinners? Because the sinners need to be saved from their sin. They are lost and separated from God and God's desire is to bring them in relationship with Him. So I want you to think about that in relation to yourself this morning. If you're a follower of Jesus here, that is what describes you before you met Jesus. That you were lost in your sin. We covered this in the first part of Ephesians chapter 2 where we recognize that we are separated from God. We are deserving not of God's Grace, but we are deserving of God's wrath because of our sin, God's judgment because of our sin, but because of God's grace. That Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, stepped foot out of heaven to save us by laying His life down for us. What we see here is Jesus telling this story to a bunch of religious people and reminding them that His mission was not to sit in a holy huddle in the synagogue and debate the finer points of Scripture together, but His mission was to pursue the lost sheep. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, that was you before you met Jesus. If you're here this morning and you've never taken the step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior, that's you now. You are off course, wandering away, crying out, looking for something to believe in, to hope in, to find refuge in. And you think maybe this world has something that it can offer that will satisfy the deepest longing of my heart. But the reality is nothing will satisfy apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ. So church family, let me remind you that as Jesus is telling this parable, As he's telling people, reminding them of the lostness of the people around them. Can I remind you this morning, church, that's where we sit right now. Because we very much find ourselves in not the lost category as Jesus describes here, but along with the religious leaders of the day. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, let me ask you this question. Does your heart break? For the people that are in your life that don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you look and you say, Michael, I I don't know that there's anybody in my life that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You need to get out more. You need to engage with people that are far from God. If we're not careful, we like the religious leaders will so sanitize our lives in such a way that we don't interact with people who don't know Jesus. But my encouragement to you is interact with people that don't know Jesus. You say, where do I go? Well, if eight out of 10 people in our community don't know Jesus, go to the gas station. Go to the grocery store, go to a restaurant, go to work, walk across the street in your neighborhood. Very likely that you'll encounter someone who doesn't know Jesus Christ. Does your heart break for people who don't know Jesus? Not only 
Does this parable remind us of the reality of our lostness? But I want you to notice as well. It reminds us, secondly, of the heart of our Savior. Jesus describes this. He says that shepherd who has a sheep that is missing doesn't sit back and go, well, I got 99. Who cares about the one? No, he says what happens is that this shepherd leaves. He goes after the one that is lost. Notice this, until he finds it. You want to know the heart of our Savior? That's it. God's heart for people that are far from Him is not just sitting in heaven going, well, at least I got a few. No, what He says is that He has sent His Son, Jesus, who stepped foot out of glory, the trappings of heaven and all that it entailed, and humbled Himself, the Scripture tells us, to the point of a servant. That God's love for us was demonstrated in His Son coming. His Son pursuing us. And Jesus' picture here in this parable is that exact thing happening. Jesus would say at various points that He didn't come to those who were well. He came to those who were sick. That as a good shepherd, He has a heart for the lost sheep. He pursues those who don't have a relationship with Him. And so church, let me remind you, if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, Jesus pursued you. You didn't run towards Him. You were the sheep that was baying in the field that was running away. And Jesus pursued you. Arrested your heart transformed your life. Gave you a new heart. Brought you into His family. And that is the picture of the shepherd here. Which means if you're here this morning and you've not taken that step of trusting Jesus as your Savior right now, you're not here by accident. Jesus Christ is pursuing your heart now. He desires nothing more than to transform your life for you to see that you are lost in your sin and your only hope is to be saved from it by Jesus. And I want to encourage you this morning, if that's where you find yourself, don't keep running away. Don't keep looking for the things that this world has to offer that will never satisfy the deepest longings of your heart. Recognize today that Jesus Christ is pursuing you. Church family, I want to remind you of the mission that Jesus Christ has given us. It's this mission of helping people see and understand the heart of of our Savior. 
for us to recognize and to see that Jesus Christ desires to use us in the lives of people in our circle of influence who don't have a relationship with Him. He wants to use us to share Him with that person. So when we talk about who's your one, when we talk about who is that person in your life that you know is far from God, that needs a relationship with Jesus Christ, what I want you to understand and to recognize is you are simply the conduit that God desires to send His grace and mercy through to reach that person. So what does that require of us? Simple faithfulness. You look and you say, Pastor, you know, it's really kind of awkward at times, though, to tell people about Jesus. It's always funny when I interact with people because first thing typically most people ask is, what do you do, right? And so they say, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I'm a pastor. And I see the look on their face. And they're trying to decide in this moment, is he crazy? Should I run? But here's the thing that I hope you and I recognize as followers of Jesus this morning. That we have been entrusted with the greatest news that has ever been proclaimed. That we have been given a tremendous gift and salvation that we have the opportunity of sharing that gift with others. You say, Michael, hang on just a second. So you're telling me what you want me to do over the next three weeks is to think about that person in my life that I know doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and to ask God to burden my heart to share Christ with them. That's what you want me to do? Yeah. You say, but I don't have all the answers. I don't know what necessarily to say. I've reminded you this, church, week after week after week, you are an expert in your story of how Jesus Christ transformed your life. If Jesus has changed your life, you know that story. I remember that story for myself. I remember at eight years old, at church camp, hearing my pastor share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I remember at eight years old recognizing that I was lost and separated from God. I was dead in my sin. I was not deserving of God's mercy, but deserving of His wrath. I understood that at eight years old. But I want you to notice my pastor didn't say, I'm glad you feel beat down now, Michael. He said, no, Michael, I want you to see your who makes it possible for you to be saved. Yes, we need to understand our lostness, but we need to understand the heart of a Savior. We need to understand who Jesus Christ is. We need to know His heart to save sinners from their sin. And my pastor lifted Jesus up in front of me. He said, Michael... You can be saved from your sins. You can trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Do you want to do that? And in that moment, I said, yeah. And on my knees in front of my bed at camp, I prayed and asked Jesus Christ to come into my life, to save me from my sin, to make me part of His family. Church, that 
It's what God has called us to do. That when we interact with people in this world, 8 out of 10 who don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior, simply sharing the story of how Christ transformed our life. That's what He's called us to do. I want you to notice what happens after the shepherd finds the lost sheep. Verse 5, when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. Now, I don't know about you, but I would have very much identified with this in the shepherd's story if he would have said, he beat the sheep, he yelled at it, put it in a bear hug and brought it home, right? I, I would have understood that. But I want you to notice that that's not what happens. In fact, he puts it on his shoulders and he rejoices. And notice this in verse 6, and when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors and he says to them, rejoice with me for I have found my sheep that was lost. That's a thread that we're going to see in each of the parables that we're going to cover over the next couple of weeks is that this is exactly what happens when something lost is found. That there's rejoicing, there's celebration. And notice Jesus gives the commentary in verse 7. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Now think about that. I want you to notice the third thing in this parable that I want us to understand is the miracle of our salvation. So we saw the reality of our lostness. We saw the heart of our Savior. But notice the miracle of our salvation. Once the shepherd finds the sheep, he brings it home and he celebrates. He calls his friends and his family. He says, listen, we've got to celebrate. I had a sheep that was missing. I found that sheep. Let's throw a party. And Jesus says that exact same thing happens when someone who is far from God trusts Jesus Christ as their Savior. There is a heavenly throwdown that takes place. That all of heaven celebrates over one who is far from God that comes into relationship with Jesus Christ. One of the great joys of pastoring this church is over the last five and a half years seeing people have their lives transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ and being able to celebrate with them. That when we fill up the baptismal trough or when we go to the pool that's behind the office and we are able to baptize those who have trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior to be able to celebrate that and rejoice with them. But church, here's what I want to challenge us with. What if every week was a party? One of the things that you see take place in the early chapters of the book of Acts, as the church is on the move, as lives are being transformed, is thousands of people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. It is a 
party all the time. Here's my hope and my prayer for us as a church family that that would be us. That because of the people that God has placed in our life and our faithfulness to proclaim a glorious message of salvation, a wonderful Savior to them, that we would be able to celebrate week in and week out people that we know come to faith in Jesus Christ and their lives be transformed. My prayer this week at VBS is that there are kids whose lives will be transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. My prayer for you and for me over the course of this next week as you go to work, as you interact with people in this community is that people will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ through our lips. That when we launch two services because of your faithfulness to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're all sitting back scratching our heads going, how do we do three? Pastor Scott just got terrified. (laughs) The church, God's heart is for people that are far from Him. And He desires to use you and me to pursue them, to share with them the hope that can be found in Jesus Christ. So as we close this morning and as our worship team makes their way back up, here's my question for you today. Who's your one? Who's the one person that you can think of right now that God has laid on your heart? A neighbor, a friend, a coworker, family member that you know needs to hear who Jesus Christ is? Would you commit over the course of this next week to share your story with them? of how Jesus Christ transformed your life. Maybe you've come in this morning and the reality for you is you are lost right now in your sin. You are separated from God. You've never taken the step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. And I just want to lift before your eyes this morning Jesus. I want you to see his heart for you today. His desire to come in, to forgive your sins, to rearrange your heart to be his home. Maybe for you, that's the step that you need to take this morning. I want to ask you if you'd bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to give you an opportunity this morning. If you need to take the step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior, in just a few moments as we begin to sing, myself or Pastor Aaron will be down front. If you know that's a step that you need to take, would you come and grab one of our hands and just say, Jesus? We'd love nothing more than to pray for you and to take the opportunity following our service this morning to share Christ with you, to walk you through that so that your life can be transformed this morning. Maybe that one name has popped up in your mind. Believer, that person that you know doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to ask you this morning to begin praying for them.
to use this as an opportunity. Maybe to kneel where you are as we sing. Maybe to come down to this altar and to kneel here and to lift them before the Lord. And to ask God to give you the strength and the courage to share your story with them. To invite them to church. Father, use this time in our lives. If we are believers, to remind us of the mission you've called us to, your heart for people that are far from you. Put a name on our minds and hearts today that we'll commit to share the hope we found in you with. There's one here who doesn't know you as Savior. Give them the courage right now as we sing to step out and to come down. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? Would you take this opportunity to respond to the Lord this morning? We'll have an opportunity to respond for just a little bit, and then before we close out our service today, we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And so I want to encourage you, though, if you need to spend some time in prayer for that person, our altars are open. If you need to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, Don't stay lost in your sin today. He can transform your life. You respond 